Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with writer guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. And thanks for checking out the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm back from a few days off with a great show highlighting some of the bright Saskatchewan football talent and minds. Thanks to these great sponsors, Mark Gresher Photography, Double Z Ag Sales in Weyburn. And it's time now for the Athlete of the Week for Paul Waldo at Royal LePage in Regina and surrounding area. Get in the real estate game with the three-time Great Cup champion by calling 306-502-5355. And we're coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio and headed out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline talking with linebacker of the Regina Thunder, Carter Stusick. Into your final year, was there a point where you thought through this whole pandemic you'd never get to this final year? Well, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty. That was, that's for sure. Um, but just, just staying positive, and that really didn't cross my mind. I try not to let it cross my mind, so... Okay, so I've asked your brother, this Bennett of the Rams. Who's got better hair, you or him? Uh, obviously me. Obviously me. <laughs> did, did you have long hair first and then he just followed you, or how did that work? Yeah, that's, that's how it works, yeah. Okay, what's the best thing about having long hair? Best thing about having long hair is uh, that my girlfriend likes it. Okay, so. wh- what's the worst thing about having long hair, especially as it relates to football? Is it hard for you to get it in that helmet? No, it's super easy, actually. Uh, the worst part is getting pulled all the time. Yeah, so uh, have you ever thought maybe I should cut it? I'm tired of having it pulled. Uh, yeah, definitely have. Definitely have, but it's my last year, so I'm keeping it for it, sure. It's okay if your girlfriend pulls it, I guess, eh, at times? <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, so take us through the procedure, Carter Stusick. How do you get the hair in the helmet? Do you have to grease it up, wet it? What do you got to do? Well... You just give a little uh, flip back and then throw the helmet on, and then once it's sweaty, it's quite easy. Okay, good. So you're like, uh, yeah. what the hell is his name? The guy on the, the oh Clay Matthews. You're like a Clay. Clay you're like a Clay Matthews precisely. type. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, precisely. So, so uh, are you savoring this last year? Like, are you approaching this year uh, differently than other years? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I go practice with a smile on my face every day. It's, even if some days I don't feel like practicing, I remember this is my last year, so this is my – I take every practice, you know, like it's my last one kind of, you know? Yeah, so so as you approach this year, do you have any uh, definite goals for yourself personally, I guess, first off? Well, personally, I want to win a, a ring, and I know that's our team goal, but I, I don't have a ring. I haven't won one in high school. I haven't won one yet, so I'm trying to get my ring. Yeah, trying to get my ring. There you go. What do you have to do individually to uh, to achieve that goal? You know, you got little goals within yourself that build towards a team goal. What does Carter Stusick have to do to be his uh, best version of himself to help the Thunder win a championship? Well, right now I'm working out really hard and conditioning after every practice, and you know, just doing doing the little things right. You know, paying attention in meetings and. We, we always talk about getting 1% better every day. So we pick something we're going to get better at. So say today it's pass drops, disrupting the receivers. That's what I'm going to work on. And so just building on little little steps every day. That's, that's what I got to do. Give me an area of strength for you. What's your area of strength? What do you hang your hat on besides your, um, besides your hair? 
Um, I got to say football IQ. I've played every position on the football field. So being a linebacker, uh, football IQ is really important, reading the O-line, reading the receivers, the back, the quarterback. So I I would say football IQ is definitely up there on my strengths. So what do you got to do better? What's one thing you've identified that I got to be better at at this this year? Um. I'm going to be playing a little bit of D-line this year, rushing the passer. So I've been nice. working really hard on my uh, my pass rush moves and going against the linemen. So okay. I'd say that's, so what's that's your, what I'm working on. What's your, uh, what's your go-to move right now? Can you tell me? I, I don't know if I could classify that to the public. Okay. <laughs> you'll, you'll see. Week week one, you'll see it. Come out. Week do, you have one. To, do you have to use your hands more or differently as a defensive lineman? It's, yeah. From linebacker to D-line, definitely. Uh, linebacker, you've got more space to work in, so you use more of your feet and quick arm over or swat away. Whereas D lineman, you're working in a phone booth, right? There's it's close combat. You got to use your hands a lot more as a D lineman. Have you always been a defensive guy? And what do you like about the defensive side of the ball, Carter? Um, no, I was an offensive guy all the way up to grade twelve, um, and that's why I switched to D line and I played team SAS. And then uh, I played a couple of years of D-line and Thunder, and then I got moved to linebacker. So, What's the strength of this Regina Thunder football team as you see it early on in camp here? And how have you guys looked? Are you, are you uh, progressing the way you want to progress? Um, yeah, definitely. We've got, we got a really good group of guys, guys that are really bought in. And like, through this pandemic, um, we've kind of lost the guys that don't have the love and the passion for football. They've they've quit. They've gone their separate ways because it's hard to stay stay locked in over the year. So we got a bunch of guys that love football, and it makes it super easy to practice. And so I'm seeing even from first day, we've seen a lot of progress, a lot of progress. Good way to put it there, Carter. Lastly, I guess, what do you love about football? Uh, well, it's cheesy, but I love everything. Um, one of the main things is the boys. You know, like. After playing six years on this team, I've made so many friends, and especially this year, this group of guys is special. Um, everybody gets along from quarterbacks to DBs to O-line and linebackers. Like, it's a really special group of guys. Is it championship or bust for you? Like, like if you don't win a championship, you, you haven't won a ring, you said so yourself, would, would your career be a failure then in your eyes? Uh. I wouldn't say a failure. Obviously, I'm I'm disappointed, and right now it's championship or bust. There is no next year for me, yeah. and that's kind of the the attitude we're going in this year. We uh, like lots of our six year guys. It's the same thing, and we've really preached that. It's this year. There is no next year, right? There is no next year, and uh, it really hits home this year because I'm the six year guy now. So yeah, time flies, doesn't it? It does. It's crazy. I remember when I was a junior football player out of that very same field, and Frank McChrystal used to take us up on the hill and talk about all what I consider the old guys, right? And you're yeah, and, and you're, yeah. in, you're in your like your first or second year, and you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Frank, he was a great speaker, but I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then before you know it, he's got the team up on the hill, and he's recognizing you as one of the guys yeah. that's graduating, and you're like, holy shit, where did all the yeah. years? Where did all the years go? Well, yeah, Scotty. Scotty still does that tradition. He takes us up on the hill and he talks to us. But yeah, I guess it's uh, 
me. It's my turn this year. It's crazy. Well, uh, good luck, man. I can't wait to watch you play. See those long locks flying out of the back of the helmet <laughs> as you make tackles. Thanks for this, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ballsy. Thanks for having me. Well, I thought this was old news. Well, I thought we'd made it through. But we got some work to do so that we don't get the flu. We had a beat, but now it's back. Hard to see just where we're at. Some thought that it was bunk, but then they got the funk. Return of the mask. Get them up. Return of the mask. Get your shots. Return of the mask. Baby, it's not that tough. Return of the mask. Who are you? Return of the mask. She's the flu. Return of the mask. We know just what to do. It's the second quarter, and it's brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics here in Regina. Regina Sports Performance Center at 1140 Broad Street. Nine Achilles blowing out among CFL players during training camp here, including five with the Riders. What the hell is going on? Well, it's time to check in with former Rider therapist Dale Patura. All right, here with Dale Patura, who used to be a therapist with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Dale, you've done some great work in the community. You've helped my son out big time, so I can speak from experience. You should go check you out. Where can they find you for uh, their therapy needs? Uh, I'm over at Courtside Sports Medicine Rehab at the end of Pasco Street there, just above the uh, gym on the end of Pasco and above Evolution Fitness there. Awesome. Go. So check out Dale. He does awesome work. So, Dale, were you shocked... To see nine Achilles in the CFL, five for the Riders alone, uh, four in six minutes, I'm told. Were you surprised to see that many Achilles uh, blown? Well, I mean, anytime you get that number of the same injury, it is definitely surprising. It's not typical. Um, it's not atypical to have Achilles injuries in football, as we all know. But to get that many in kind of one bunch and that many in a short time frame here in the CFL, it definitely is a little bit strange, that's for sure. Dale, is there anything you can do training-wise to prevent Achilles injuries? Um, there is some, I guess, thought process that if you, if you – you know, gradually build up or do a really good warm up and progress to to higher level activities that they that may prevent an Achilles injury. But but actually, I mean, it's there's no no particular rhyme or reason, no exact cause um, that creates Achilles injuries. I was gonna um, I was gonna ask you can 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 it happen from overtraining and in particular overtraining your legs can you can you somehow throw that Achilles area out of whack? Um, it's not as it's not it's not as typical to do that. Um, you know you can you've you've probably heard of people um, tearing their patella tendon. Uh, you can you you know there's a better chance that you can overtrain your quadriceps get your quadriceps so strong that it can't um the tendon can't handle that force but that's not typical with the achilles um you don't see people walking around with 
you know, such huge calves that they can't put their boots on. Um, and uh, they, you know, the, the Achilles tends to be a little bit more of a, you know, it's, it's, an, it's, it's probably an, just an off, an off firing or an off um, mechanism in the calf that, that makes it go. Would it be um, would it be fair to say, Dale, that it, it, it may be a case, though, partly because guys weren't as – we always hear about being in shape and then being in football shape. Is it is it a case where maybe, without being there and having the eyeball test, is it a case where you're maybe not in football shape, you're raring to go, you get out there, you're, you're happy to be, in, in the Riders' case, happy to be at Mosaic Stadium, happy to be out of quarantine, and you're in shape but not football shape? Well, I think that – that you could certainly make that argument without a doubt um, that that could be part of the part of the reasoning. Um, that's like I mentioned, some 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 theories are that the more you kind of build up to a certain activity level, um, the 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 less chance you would have of, of that type of an injury. Um, but that's um, but so coming off of a, a huge break like like all the athletes did the cfl athletes there would be a a a need to kind of build up if i put it that way and you probably don't have the same understanding of of what everybody did um when they were off for you know over a year what kind of training they had been done yeah no that's a very Um, good that's a very good point some guys might adhere to a to a team regiment maybe that they set up and some guys just kind of mailed it in or some guys know that they're veterans and maybe they don't work as hard as maybe they should. Not, I mean, those are just theories, but yeah, I think it did have something to do with a bit of a, a layoff. Now, here's something I wanted to ask. You know how uh, knee injuries have changed over time in terms of rehab and how guys could come back faster. How about the Achilles injury? Uh, ha- has the treatment and and maybe the recovery time changed over the years from back when you started in the industry. Um, treatment has changed. There are different um, techniques for for treatment. Um, in the past, it was virtually a, a no brainer that you'd have surgery um, to 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 fix that rupture, Achilles rupture. Now there's some good evidence that um, you don't always need surgery. Um, anytime you're dealing with a high-level athlete, the, you'll tend to probably err on the side of caution and, and do surgery. But I've treated, you know, the weekend warrior um, with torn Achilles that have had no surgery, and they've come out quite well. Um, but most, uh, I, I would suggest that most of the higher-level athletes would end up having surgery. Now, that being said, mm-hmm. the time frame to recover from an Achilles injury really hasn't changed it just takes a long time it can take up to a year um and and that's you know i've i've been involved with people rehabbing an achilles that like i said the weekend warrior that don't work out hard and you got to kind of motivate them to work out but i've also been involved with with elite athletes that have you know they work out three four five hours a day um it just takes nine to twelve months for that thing to recover would an Achilles injury hap- more likely to happen, Dale, on uh, on like uh, carpet or grass in 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 the case of football? Um, I, I don't think there would be any probably research or evidence that one's different than the other. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen it happen, and you know what I've what I've looked up and read. You know, I've seen it happen 
in training camp on a on a grass field i've seen it happen you know on on a on a turf field and today's today's turf um seems to be a little bit better and not near as much you know in the old days when we had the <laughs> yeah. omni turf and the you know the, yeah. the daily burn turf yeah um it was you know there there there's probably something to be said that injuries were directly related to that but today's turf is pretty good that you probably wouldn't see a huge difference um, between the turf and the grass. Is the Achilles injury more of a career-threatening injury than a knee injury? Um, I, I, I would probably venture to guess yes at this time. Um, you know, in, in the past when you had a, if you tore your ACL in your knee, it was, you know, is my career done? There's very few now that end up with, you know, not coming back from an ACL injury. Um, Achilles is just a little different and you know it's not that it wouldn't heal it certainly would heal and allow you to get back to an elite level Um, but if you know you just might be that half a step slower or you might just not have that burst off the line again um, with an Achilles injury just because of the way they heal and just because of the tension they're under and the kind of almost spring loaded of that tension of that tendon so um, if you had to choose one versus the other, which would have a maybe a higher potential of a career-ending injury, it, it would probably be the Achilles these days versus a knee injury. So uh, Taron Vaughn has a shoulder injury, and he's trying to decide whether to get surgery or whether to play. And I know he's been practicing with a brace. He's the left tackle, and we know what's happened with the Riders' offensive line. So he's a left tackle. You know, depending on the severity of the injury, is that realistic to think a guy in the trenches, it's a car accident on every play, can brace his shoulder and 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 do it all year like that? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what, what he's looking at for surgery, but um, there is, yes, there's the potential that you could do that. The one nice thing, although you're in a car accident every play, typically in the when you're you're playing the in the trenches especially um offensive linemen if they're if they're doing it relatively well is they have their they tend to have their arms inside a lot right so when your arms are more inside then that's that's less problematic on your shoulder it's the you know the the linemen going around the end where you've got to try to reach way out and 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 grab them or stop them where you'd be at a more probably a more risk there but there is depending on what the injury is and like i said i'm not sure what what that entails but there is the potential that you could make it through a season sure with some bracing and um um and in that position for sure you know one thing that's changed dale and i'll ask you this and then let you go i i you know you, you used to watch some uh, football uh, games and back in the day and even when you were a therapist with the with the team and you'd see guys with knee brace you're like holy cow like that guy's in the injury and that guy's in the injury now you watch college or even cfl or nfl <laughs> they all got knee braces and i'm like well they can't all have knee injuries they they kind of get uh encouraged uh, to wear the knee braces, for lack of a better way of putting it, would you be in favor of having guys without knee injuries wear knee braces, especially on the offensive line? Well, I think that comes down to kind of the the um, tally of risk and reward. Um, the knee brace can can certainly help you in certain situations if somebody's rolling up your leg or something. Um, it can probably prevent some of those injuries. And being in the trenches, there's way bigger 
opportunity for that to happen. So I, I, I don't, I would not disagree with it whatsoever. Um, there are some, you know, theories, I guess, or some thoughts that, you know, if I'm wearing a brace all the time, does that, you know, do I get weaker? Does my joint get weaker, et cetera, et cetera? Well, you got to remember these guys are wearing a brace for probably during practice and during a game. There's a lot of other times they're in the weight room, they're doing other stuff that that's not going to impact their strength of that joint. Just gives them a little bit of extra protection in that high risk position. So I think that you know, to me, that's 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 a smart um, thought process for sure. Speaking of smart, this guy's smart, Dale Petura. Go see him over there at courtside, the physio and rehab above Evolution Fitness there in the South End. Thanks for this, my friend. I uh, enjoyed our time together. Thank you. Talk to you later. course a lot of you are probably traveling and we're doing a lot more car rides here because of the pandemic we can't fly anywhere and I just had one myself to Calgary and it brought back those memories of my long car rides in the summer with my family we didn't exactly get along in a four level split so what does my dad do puts us in a station wagon and drives to the Black Hills in South Dakota good call dad let's confront our tensions it was stressful it wasn't fun there was no leisure. We're going to get up at 4 a.m. and be on the road by 5, okay? And we don't have time to stop for bathroom breaks. We're going to pass paper cups around the station wagon. And the sun always seemed to shine through my window in the back. It literally followed me no matter what. I felt like an ant under a magnifying glass in the very back of our old Caprice classic wood-paneled station wagon. And you think my dad would put on the air conditioner? Nope. Uses up too much gas. Well then, Dad, I don't need to go to university. Use that money that you saved and turn up the AC, man. And we're kicking off the second half of Growing the Game with Ballsy from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. And it's time to hear from our Coach of the Week, sponsored by Riders, Punter, and local football hero, John Ryan. Our Coach of the Week is longtime Saskatoon Hilltops assistant coach Jeff Yowsey as we head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. Jeff, how are you, bro? I'm great, thank you. Dude, you've been, uh, you've been coaching football a long time and a long time with the Hilltops. What keeps you coming back year after year after year? Oh, you're absolutely right. It has been a long time. And it's funny because when I was younger, I, you know, I thought that I didn't want to be one of those old coaches and um, and here I am, one of those old coaches. So, uh, you know what? We have a lot of fun. I think um, we have a great coaching staff, and and we're uh, and a lot, you know, we're great friends, and we have a lot of fun, and and we enjoy the process, which is which is practicing hard, and and uh, you know, and experiencing kind of the highs and lows of football. Do you ever get bored of winning? I know that sounds like a stupid question. It's nice to win, but do you get bored of being as dominant as you have been? And 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 how do you? yourself stay uh stay engaged and excited yeah you know what it's, it's uh we've been dominant as far as championships but there's like i said there's highs and lows and i'm pretty insecure and i think we're pretty insecure in coaching staff so, which you know lends itself to us working you know working very hard and uh you know certainly over that course you know we've had some barn burners every year with regina you know uh the regina thunder our main rivals and and uh it's never easy there's uh you know, there's there's plenty of plenty of lows to kind of go to, to go with the, you know, the highs. 
You know, it's funny. Football's an interesting sport, isn't it? it? It's a mixture of a lot of bravado and ego. But on the other side, there is insecurity. And one kind of fuels the other, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it fuels us to, to work hard. And, and Coach Sargent, you know, our head coach, is certainly he's hard on everyone around him because he, he's a very competitive person and loves to win. And so, you know, he's, he pushes us all, coaching staff, um, you know, our directors, our organization. Uh, himself, you know, most, you know, most, most importantly, um, but we all, you know, want to live up to his expectations, and and uh, that, you know, it's certainly, um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's interesting, it's an interesting process, and some players, some of the players hate him at the time, and then love him after. <laughs> Speaking of hate, be honest with me, Mister Yowzy, how many times have you and your good friend Tom Sargent butted heads where you're like, screw you, screw you, and you don't talk for a while? <laughs> <laughs> uh two or three times we almost came to blows um um but like i said we are best friends and i think um you know it's a sign of a winner when when people challenge you and, and bring new ideas and you have conflict and and i think that's how you grow you know as a person as a as a football team as an organization you need new ideas and you need people around you that are that are willing to push you and i, I know i feel you know that in my in my other role as executive director with football Saskatchewan, my staff around me really some great people and some some great men and and I know I, that's how we kind of feel about each other as a Hilltop coaching staff. We'll get to that in a second, but I want to get back to the blows. Have you ever come to blows almost on the sidelines, like you know uh, Kevin Gilbride <laughs> and and Buddy Ryan that time in the Houston No Oilers sideline? <laughs> no, not at all. You know what, Tom Tom's the boss, and and ultimately. Uh, you listen to your boss, and and talk, he's a very smart man and, and a great football coach, and and I certainly trust him, and I rely on him, you know, in, in everything we do on a weekly basis. So, so like I said, and 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 the thing that makes it all, you know, the most fun is is our great friendship, you know, off the field. Can you pick a favorite championship, or is that like picking a favorite kid or a grandkid? You just can't do it. Yeah, you know what? It, 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 you're exactly right. I don't think there is a, is a favorite. I think the last one is the, is the best one. And uh, you know, it's this you know, whole COVID thing is is throwing a curve at everybody, right? So, so you know, we we don't know what's out there, and you know, we've we've worked as hard as we were allowed to, or we could. Um, and uh, you know, it's it, to me, it's like almost a fresh start for everyone coming mm-hmm. out of this. So. So I think there's opportunity for, for every team in the league. Sounds like a guy who's in charge of football, Saskatchewan, an executive director. We'll get to that, like I said, in a second. But, well, I guess let's get to it now. Did that help you doing that get through what we went through? Because a guy that's been on a football field, either as a player or a coach for as long as you have, would have been lost without football for almost two years, maybe if he didn't have the title as executive director of football, Saskatchewan. Yeah, you know, I'm really fortunate, you know, to, uh, number one, have that job. Um, two, to have people around me. And three, to, you know, to, to be, to be you know, coaching, organizing, talking football with people in Saskatchewan because uh, people are very, you know, our, our fans are very knowledgeable. People love football in Saskatchewan. So it's a really great place to, to do my job. And, and uh, you know, it's fun to see the passion and, um, you know, and how hard people around the province work to, to provide football opportunities for, for for boys and girls, you know, in every corner of the province. I had the pleasure on Access Now Sports with my buddy Pete Pasco calling uh, the first two games, the the first U16 All-Star game, Regina versus Saskatoon and area, and then the the later game, which was the Varsity All-Star game. And I'll tell you what, man, very talented 
group of players on both sides, of, you know, either side of the province, both sides of the ball. Football's in pretty good hands, and a lot of it has to do with your coaches. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we, you know, we, it's starting to catch on across the country, actually, six and nine aside football. And, uh, you know, I, I knew it had been an advantage, huge advantage for us over the past, you know, 30, 40 years to have these athletes you know, from small towns from across the province, you know, with, uh, you know, rural areas with a great work ethic and a toughness. And, and uh, you know, that's led to, you know, some, a lot of great football players and a, and a lot of championship at all the different levels of Saskatchewan. So I totally agree with you. Hey, uh, Jeff, talk about, you talked about jokingly, I don't think you're old because you're not much older than me. So quit putting us down. Okay, pal. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I look at you and you talked about being an old coach. Where you might need to change, though, is with the way you coach. You, you, you know, back in the day when I played and, and, and maybe when you played, you know, you ran and you did this and you got yelled at and there was different verbiage, uh, you know, uh, kill them, smoke them. Things have changed, not only in how you instruct the kids, but how you relate to the kids. So how have you been able to adapt as a guy that's been on the sidelines with the Hilltops for almost 20 years here now? Yeah, you know, I think... Um... I think in, in football, um, you know, being a teacher and a, and a great communicator is, is is huge as a football coach. I think you know, you know, every team has got studs, um, men, women, boys, girls. Um, but sometimes it's, it's you know how you how you coach the, the next kids and get them ready. Um, you know, so your your best players need to be playmakers on the field, absolutely. And you've been coaching them sometimes for you know two, three, four years. Um, but you need to get the next guys ready. And so how you coach the kind of 9 to 20 on your team, uh, the better prepared they are and the better they play. That's sometimes the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, no, that's, a very, that's a very good point. Um, you know, the other way we can grow this sport in your title as executive director is through women. And we just saw a nice three-game series with the Valkyries and the, and the Riot, which the Valkyries dominated. The Riot had a lot of older players decide not to play this year. So that might have had something to do with it. Had a the coach, had to go with kind of a scaled-down playbook, but taking nothing away from the Valkyries. But back to my initial statement. The two ways to grow this sport, I believe, are, are women and, uh, and new Canadians, guys and girls that have never played the sport. And I looked to the one kid on... Um, on the Saskatoon Varsity All-Stars, that Charles Sawi. He's the guy that shows up. He's a soccer kid. His third ever his third ever football game, I think, was the, the first game here in Regina, and he scored the touchdown of the night that was called back. But that's how I see we grow this sport. And, and how is it in those two areas right now? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Um, we, uh, you know, it was about... Uh, just yeah, just around ten years ago, where we kind of targeted like we we you know, we have great funding from South Lotteries and South Sport, and you know we we targeted um, gr- uh, you know growing football, and we targeted women and Aboriginal First Nation peoples, and and lately it's been a, a turn to push towards New Canadians as well. And uh, you're you're absolutely right. I think we've seen some uh, some incredible changes as far as growth in in women's tackle football which has kind of led it to funnel down to, to girls and girls in football. And so now we have a Southern uh, U18 Tackle Football League for, for girls. Um, we have high school flag football um, in Regina and Saskatoon and, and a few rural pockets in the province. And, uh, you know, absolutely, I'm excited about the future. And, and our board has changed a lot. You know, we have, we have more women involved, and, and which takes us in, in new directions and different ideas and better ideas. 
Hey Jeff, how do we get? That's a good point. How do we get the indigenous people? I forgot about uh, I forgot about that athlete. They have some great athletes that kind of fall through the cracks, either because uh, you know just the life situation, lack of funding. I know kids sport helps out at sometimes, and and you talked about Sask lotteries. But how do we get more indigenous people uh, playing this sport? And and are they starting to warm up to this sport? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean. I, I think that we have uh, we have some some great programs. Uh, spread around the province, playing six aside and, and nine, nine aside in different areas of the province. Um, we have a great Northern Football League. Um, I think there's around eight teams playing right now, but I think we had uh, 10 teams playing north of Orange, playing six aside tackle football. Um, so there, there is things going on. Basically, we have to we have to learn and grow as, as coaches and, and organizers and, and be creative. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. not a... You know, it's, it's not, there's one, one way to do it. It's not the only way to do it for, you know, for, for everybody in our province. Yeah, good point. Okay, lastly, uh, Jeff Yowzi, our coach of the week for uh, John Ryan, who sponsors this uh, portion. Um, let's uh, talk about the Hilltop. Six-time defending champs, as we talked about. Uh, what are the prospects for a seventh? It's kind of a different year here. Been off for almost two years. Uh, like you said, we're starting from scratch for everybody, it seems like. Yeah, you know what? There's just so many unknowns. I think the the great thing is um, we're excited to get back on the field and, and compete. Um, you know, we had a we had a great kind of a spring camp uh, later than usual this summer um, when things started to open up. And uh, like like I said, we do, we don't know a lot about our competition. We know Regina's going to be good. We have the same kids. Um, the, you know, we have battled battles every year. Our team tends to be a little little bit older than the Regina Thunder. I think, which perhaps benefits us a little bit. Um, you know, we've got quite a few changes on our team. I think we're on uh, defensively, we're replacing about half of our starters. Um, um, but with that said, I think the young guys that have, that, you know, had a chance to train really hard and lift a lot of weights um, over the course of the past two years, um, they, they were raring to go. And, you know, we had a great scrimmage, and I was really happy with the talent that I saw um, at the D-line and linebackers. And we have most of our defensive backs returning, so our defensive backs are probably our strength. Coach, thanks for this. Uh, enjoy your time off before things they heat up and we get back on the football field. Can't wait to see the Hilltops in action. Thanks for this, Jeff. Thanks, Baldy. Thanks for everything you do. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Olympic Rugby. Rugby, football's stupid stepbrother. Actually, Jim, rugby predates American football. Sure, Al. Look at them. They just keep lateraling. Yes, that is what they do in rugby. Well, why doesn't a team like the Packers forget the Hail Mary and just hire a team of these guys? Put them in at the end of the game. Come from behind win. They would just stand around the entire game on the sidelines? Yeah, you put the entire Great Britain rugby team in for the final play. The other team wouldn't know what hit them. Jim, it would never work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all those Brits would be drunk by the end of the game. Good call, Al. Okay, and we would like to formally apologize to all of our viewers in the UK. From the seven on the far left hash, third and four. They can get a first down before they get a touchdown, and here's a shotgun for Picton, a jump ball in the end zone. Caught! Mitch Picton! And that's a Rams touchdown! This is the fourth quarter, and this is the homegrown segment for Mirad El-Khatib and the gang over at AGT Foods. And in the spotlight is former Regina Rams and current Riders receiver Mitch Picton, who's been turning heads at training camp. 
All right, time to head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. Go check out Kevin Welsh and the great gang at Hammer Time Roofing. 262 Roof, the number to call in Saskatoon and surrounding area. Yeah, Mitch Picton. Okay, Mitch, is it Mitch or Mitchell? Because I hear people calling you Mitchell now, and I've always called you Mitch. Mike Edom, and then it's Mike Edom, so I don't want you to get mad at me. Is it Mitch or Mitchell? <laughs> Either one is fine. Uh, yeah, most of the time, uh, most people call me Mitch. If it's Mitchell, it's usually uh, my mom or my girlfriend, if, if they're mad at me, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's uh, yeah right. for the most part, it's Mitch. That's right. I think I asked you this before. I can't remember if, if it was in an interview setting or not, but Mitchell, when she called you Mitchell when she was mad at you, what? <laughs> give me an example of something you did when she said, Mitchell! Oh, I don't know. It would have been, geez, when we were younger, me and Noah probably goofing around, doing something, breaking something. I don't know. Who knows? Would have been something like that, probably. And she would have thrown my middle name in there, too. It would have been Mitchell Derrick. Mitchell Derrick? Who's, what's the Derrick after? Uh, that's my dad's name. Oh, cool. My dad's first name. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. Okay, awesome. So, uh, how tired are you, buddy? We're, like, uh, we're into three weeks now of camp, and I know what a receiver does because I've coached them. I've played, not at a high level like you, but there's a lot of running. Like, do you, do you track your steps in a practice, dude? Uh, don't track my steps, but, uh, yeah, you get into week three of training camp and, uh, fatigue starts to set in for sure. You're, uh, trying to catch little naps here and there, wherever you can and, uh, put your feet up at the same time. So, um, yeah, legs are a little bit fatigued, but, uh, yeah, we're just about at the finish line of camp here. So, uh, lots of time to recover after that. Are you getting old, Mitch? Like here, me too. When I was started in radio 25 years ago, I could go from sun up to sundown, didn't need a nap. Now I need a good 20 to 30 minute one to recharge the batteries. Is that like you? <laughs> no, for the most part, I'm usually okay. But, um, this week actually, they kind of pushed meetings back a little bit. So you have to sleep in a little bit this week. But um, the previous two weeks, yeah, we were kind of in the, in the facility at, at 6.30 a.m. So, uh, yeah, those are long days, and especially in this heat, it, uh, it takes a lot out of you. So, uh, yeah, we're trying to catch a little couple naps in there. I'm not going to sit here and critique you because I'm going to be honest with you. I know how Mitch Picton plays. I, I watched and called a lot of your games at the U Sports level. I realize pro football is a lot harder. I haven't been to training camp. I don't get too wrapped up in training camp. I know this is your livelihood. So give me Mitch Picton's rating of himself what would you out of 10 what would you honestly give yourself so far in training camp um i mean it's it's never going to be perfect um i would say uh yeah geez fairly high i'd say a seven or an eight for myself grading myself um i think i came out i had a very strong start to camp and i think i've just been building kind of every day on uh on that fast start and uh yeah i feel like i've been making plays i feel like i've been running good routes and getting open and um yeah, I feel like I've had had a very solid camp this far. What did your off season, the long off season, uh, you know, include in terms of uh, getting ready, training, uh, yoga, maybe throwing in the park, maybe even with Noah? Like, what did it entail for you? Um, yeah, a lot of like the standard football type workouts, a lot of lifting, a lot of running. Um, Braden Lennius came back to Regina for uh for the off season so um yeah him and i him and i worked a lot together and um yeah and in terms of of throwing i was actually throwing with the uh with the rams kind of in their summer workouts and some of the stuff they were doing through the winter indoors um so yeah i was working with their quarterbacks and their receiver group so very thankful that they were allowed me to come out and and get a little bit of working with them as well 
Well, Mitch, uh, you've uh, been the talk of camp early in a loaded Canadian receivers room. Like, this is a pretty, this is a deep receivers room. You got Lennius, the guy you mentioned, McKinnis, who's hurt. You got uh, uh, Schaefer Baker out of Guelph, who is apparently a freak athlete. Uh, the film I've watched, talked to his coach from college. He's had a pretty good camp. Jake Hardy's come back off a couple of knee injuries and doing well. And there's Mitch Picton. Uh, there's, of course, uh, Jana, the draft pick. Like, this is a loaded room. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of Canadian talent, and that's a good thing. Um, it sounds like they uh, want to move to playing two Canadian receivers, um, which is obviously it's great for us. And uh, But you have to have the personnel to do it, right? You have to be, have the guys that can step in there and, and be productive. So um, if they're looking to give uh, Canadians more opportunity in the, in the passing game and have two Canadian receivers on the field, then uh, that's fantastic. And we obviously need to uh, do our part and step up and uh, – yeah, make sure that we're doing our job and producing. I've tried out for the Rams and made the Rams, and that's that's one thing back in the junior days. But this this is pro football guys fighting for their livelihood. I've talked to a lot of people about this. It's weird, right? You're all riders, but you're not really riders, if you know what yeah, I mean. Like exactly. you're you're yeah. trying to make the team. So how hard is it to work out with Lenius, knowing that you're battling for a spot, or McKinnis, or or some of these guys? You want to cheer them on and be helpful, but you're like. Oh, yeah, that was a nice catch. Gee, I like, I gotta, like, you know what I mean? You're, you're only human. What's that like? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy. Braden and I are obviously, uh, we're very good friends off the field as well. So, I mean, competition breeds excellence, right? So, um, yeah, it's always good to have uh, a lot of talent on the field. And, and the better that they perform, I think it just pushes me to be better. And, and I'm sure it's vice versa as well. So, Let's talk about uh, something I want to bring up. You answered how you want, but uh, I think it, it it's accurate, not just in Saskatchewan, but across the league. When you're a local kid, that's great. Like, like, let's talk about this angle first. You were in a game. You dressed in a game. Your parents were right uh, above me on the sidelines because I do the sideline reporting. I talked to them. They were proud. I'm sure it was amazing <laughs> for you to be playing Saskatchewan Rough Riders football. What was that like for you? Yeah, that was uh, that was incredible. I mean, you grow up every uh, kid playing football in Saskatchewan. You grow up dreaming of playing for the Riders. So, um, yeah, when I had my number called a couple times last year, that was her two years ago now, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Obviously, a great moment and something I'd like to build on and uh, and continue to do more of in the future. How much did that fuel your fire for this season? A lot, a lot. You look back on that, and uh, it's a pretty special moment and. Uh, pretty cool thing to be able to do i mean there's a lot of a lot of guys that i played ball with that um, kind of had this as their aspiration and uh, to be here and to be living off the stream is, is pretty surreal how are you different now than you were in a previous training camp like what what how do you, do you feel different does it is it slower for you in terms of you could pick things up faster and it's just it's like maybe running seven on seven with the rams back in the day when you were a third or fourth year guy like do you have that feel about it um a little bit it's uh, are just slowing down in terms of in coverages and even the speed of play. Um, yeah, I think I'm able to pick things up a little bit quicker. I'm more comfortable in the offenses um, and, and just that kind of thing, just little things that you kind of uh, nuances to the game that you pick up as you go along. And obviously the more that 
I've played, the more that I know now, and, and I think it's coming along nicely. Okay, answer this second part of the long question. Uh, you answered how you want, okay? But I got to ask it because it, it, it is something that does happen, not just here but around the league. So Mitch Picton's having a great camp. He, as we tape this, he just ran with the ones because McKinnis got hurt. So you got to, in pro football, when opportunity knocks, when the door opens, you better be uh, ready to walk through it. And, and so far, it looks like you are. You're controlling what you can control. But in the back of your mind, are you worried about being a local kid? Like, it's great to be a local kid and be the local success story. And we hope that for everyone. And I'm really rooting for you. But there's also the other side where, well, we got this guy, we got this guy, we got this guy. But Picton's a local guy. He's not going to go anywhere. We can we can release him. But, hey, Mitch, we'll keep you on the, like, we'll call you. Just be by your phone. Is that in the back of your mind at all? Do you think about that at all? Um, I try not to think about it. I'm I'm certainly aware that it has happened before, and I mean, shoot, it happened with my brother. Yeah. But um, yeah, I try not to think about it. I'm uh, I'm an advocate of uh, quit checking passports, quit checking hometowns, and um, I don't think that I need that in order to uh, to be on this team or to make this football team. I think that um, yeah, take everything uh, off the field and, and stop looking at it, and just turn on the tape. And I feel like um, that. If you look at my play, that 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 should be enough to uh, to be playing here and and be playing at this level very effectively. Actually, one more question for you: How do you look after yourself, like in terms of stretching, and has that changed over your career, like from the Ram days till now, and maybe even from camp to camp, where you're running so much, and you do you do a better job of stretching, getting the cold tub, getting the hot tub, look after your body better? Um. I don't think so. I think I've always been a guy that's taken recovery quite seriously. And I think that um, part of my career has, has benefited from that greatly. Um, yeah, I think I've always been very good at stretching and warming up. And uh, also after practice, getting in the cold tub and doing that kind of thing. So it's pretty nice now at this level with the uh, facilities that we're extremely fortunate to have and being able to jump in the hot tub in the morning to loosen up a little bit and that sort of thing. But um yeah, not a whole lot has changed. Just a lot of stretching and, and getting in cold tubs and just doing the things you need to do to make sure your body's ready to go the next day. Well, dude, you know I'm over here cheering for Mitch Picton, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate it, Baldy. Well, we're going to go a little longer here from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio as we check in with Regina Kid and U of S Husky safety Josh Haggerty. Well, we can't call him that anymore because what a great story. He made the Toronto Argos. Let's head out on the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. All right, here with Josh Haggerty of the Toronto Argonauts. Man, I got to admit something. I didn't think that you'd get this far. I, I was cheering you on. You were a late bloomer. Uh, I've been putting together a top 50 Can West list. You're on the list. But judging by this outcome, I probably should have had you higher, man, without telling you where I put you. Outstanding effort, man. Talk about what's running through your head. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's a lot going on these last few days. Um, guys have been coming in and out the door and stuff. So it's been a, it's been a lot to just kind of sit back and uh, see what uh, the coaches and the GMs are going to make their decisions and stuff. And, uh, you know, I just tried to just put my nose down and work hard all camp and just, like, do my best and, give my best look for them and then uh after that it was kind of out of my hands so um yeah i just went out there tried to work as hard as i can and uh, it ended up working out and i got a great relationship with the coaches and the players right now so um yeah i'm just feeling good and excited about the future 
So, uh, Josh, would you agree you're a late bloomer? And and how did this happen? I Admittedly, dude, I haven't seen you play or do anything in 18 months. So, obviously, you put the work in. But do you agree you're a late bloomer? Yeah, absolutely. I've been a late bloomer my whole life. You know, I didn't I didn't get all my height till grade 11. And, um, you know, all throughout every stages of my football career, I was always a little bit smaller, a little bit more underdeveloped in the athleticism side. So I'd always had to, like, work that much harder to make the team or make a starting role in certain teams. So I feel like I've always kind of had that uphill battle and to just climb the next ladder when it comes. And, um, and yeah, so I feel like now with these last, like, two years off, I haven't been able to show my stuff yet for a while. So I feel like I made a lot of improvements these last two years and really up my speed and my athleticism and my coverage ability. So that was, uh, allowed me to become a more well-rounded player and kind of equal out my game a bit. So, uh, yeah, I feel like a totally different player than when I ended off in 2019 in Calgary. Josh, what was the biggest eye-opener for you going to a CFL camp, your first pro camp? Um, probably just the speed of the game and the size of the guys. Um, everyone here is obviously very good and very talented. Um, you know, you don't have any bad guys on the roster and stuff. So, so that was a lot different and stuff. And then the speed too was, um, it was just that much like faster and stuff. But after a few days, I was able to kind of acclimate to the speed a bit and, um, get settled in. But, uh, yeah. And then just the size of some of these guys too, these guys have been playing in the NFL and some top D one schools and there's, there's some big, good football players out here. So. Yeah, so did you did you feel intimidated the first couple of days, or you just kind of, hey, I'm playing with house money, I'm just going to let it roll? Yeah, it's definitely intimidating at first. You know, you got all these big-name guys that you watch on TV or in person for a while and stuff, and then, then you're on the same playing field as them and stuff. So you just got to give yourself more credit and, and tell yourself that you deserve to be here and uh, you belong in the same field as these guys. So just go out there and, like, just be confident it's just at the end of the day it's just football it's the same thing it's um it's just an extended version of that just a bit more complicated a bit more refined and um just a little bit more nitpicky stuff but at the end of the day it's still football so as uh, coach Dinwiddie or the coaching staff uh, uh told you where you fit in where do you see yourself fitting in is there a lot more special teams work than you're accustomed to uh, yeah, I've always played a lot of special teams and stuff on the Huskies. Um, the coaches there do a really good job of making sure you play both offense and defense and special teams. So um, I'm, I'm pretty used to playing lots of specials, but I feel that my role immediately will be definitely on special teams, uh, hoping to get on all the special teams if I can. And then uh, after that, just rotating into the defense and uh, kind of getting like my footing a bit until I can acclimate to the game and then hopefully making it more of an impact on defense after that. Yeah, like have they have they sat down with you and, and you know, give you a, you know, they cut guys, but the guys that stayed, do they kind of give you like a little bit of an evaluation? This is where we see you fitting into our plan sort of thing? Um, I haven't had that conversation with coaches yet. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that they'll be coming in the next couple of days or once mm-hmm. once we get back into Toronto and stuff where where they kind of see me going forward and stuff. But I kind of have a general idea of based on how conversations and meetings have gone these past few weeks and stuff where they like to see me and stuff. Are you starting to think, okay, I'm living in the big smoke now. i got to find a place to live and that type of thing. Yeah, that's that's the priority right now. I've been uh, trying to hunt down a place. It's, uh, it's a lot more expensive than Saskatoon. And, um, yeah, places go fast. So that's, uh, that's on the hunt for right now. Are you going to team up with a couple of teammates? Um, probably next year. Uh, for this year, I think my girlfriend's going to move out with me and we're going to find a place together. Mm-hmm. Um, just a small place in the city, somewhere in the city. Hey, so 
obviously professional football. I guess not obviously. When was professional football a dream of yours? Um, honestly, it had been a dream of mine forever. Like all growing up, I've been a huge football fan. And then, of course, my family, with my dad and stuff. Mm-hmm. Football has just been like everything for us and stuff. So I've had those aspirations to play for a long time. Uh, as for when I thought I could truly play it and when I believed in myself was probably not till a couple of years ago when I when I started to get people saying like, hey, you can, you can play in the CFL. You know, you got the size and the body for it and the physicality for it. So... And then once I started hearing that and stuff and then hearing my name and kind of coaches was across the CFL and stuff, that's when it was like, wow, okay, like, this is this is real, this is happening, like, this, I can attain this and stuff. And then I, that just drove me to push even harder and stuff to, so, like, I can know I could get there and now, make that dream a reality. Now, obviously, you got to take the dream when it's there. And so nobody, yeah, I mean, this isn't meant to say, oh, you shouldn't have done it. It's great you're there. I'm, I'm proud of you. But there's the other side, too, where you are leaving a football team with the U of S Huskies where there are a lot of friends, a lot of memories, and a chance to really do some, uh, some uh, great things at the U sports level. So it's never, it's never easy, even though you're attaining a dream. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the other part of it that just kind of rips your heart out. It, um, You know, I, I never thought that when I stepped off that field in the Hardy Cup in Calgary that that was going to be my last game in the green and white. Um, you know, I love all those guys to death. Uh, you know, those are going to be lifelong friends of mine and stuff. And the coaching staff, I can't say enough good things about the entire staff. They're all, they're all wonderful. And the program that they've created there, too, and the culture, I think that team can do some really, really special things this year and stuff, and I'm really sad that I can't be a part of it for one last ride. But um, as for my situation here, like, I, 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 yeah, I, I just can't give up a, an active roster spot, you know? Like, this, this may only come once or twice to be able to make an active roster. So, I, yeah, as, uh, as tough as it is, when one door, like, closes, another opens, so... Oh, no, absolutely. Nobody faults you for taking that. But let me ask you one last question. Are you, uh, were you shocked at all that you made the team? And that's not saying that you uh, didn't deserve to make the team. You're not talented enough to make the team because obviously you are proofs in the pudding. But you yourself, because you just said, hey, I never thought that'd be the last time I'd play for the Huskies. When you went to this camp or through the whole process of the uh, elongated offseason, does this end result kind of shock you a little bit or not at all? Uh, yeah, it honestly does. Uh, when I when I left Saskatoon, you know, I thought, okay, I'll be back in a month. You know, like I I, I didn't bring everything with me and stuff, so <laughs> I definitely kind of surprised myself, and I think I surprised coaches. I don't think I don't think this was in their original plan either. I think they wanted to send me back at first, but uh, after like the first few days and stuff, I think they realized that yeah, I can play and stuff, and we need to have them around and stuff. So I kind of surprised myself, and I think I surprised some other people too. Um, so yeah, just kind of took it and ran with it, and just tried to improve every day, and then let the chips kind of fall where they where they did. I'm gonna make a point here on this podcast when I'm done with you because I'm gonna have a little gospel, and I'm gonna talk about the ratio. So I better I better ask you this: the ratio is there to help Canadian kids have an opportunity where I feel they wouldn't normally have an opportunity. How blessed do you feel that there is a chance for you to play in this league because of the ratio? And that isn't a comment on your talent, uh, Josh, 
or how good you are or how much work you put in because I think you're full marks. That's not what I mean. But I hear a lot of kids say, well, I don't want to be considered a Canadian. I just want to be considered a football player. And I, and I get that. But there's also the thing where, you know, there's a coaching bias out there that I think if they had to choose an American, they'd probably look at an American first and never even consider a Canadian. I think of guys like Brett Jones, who now is making life-changing money in the NFL or, you know, uh, uh, Nick Cross or, you know, the they need to look for Canadians. So how blessed do you feel that there is a, a ratio so you have an opportunity to live out a childhood dream? Yeah, no, for sure. I think you hit it on the head there. Um, I'm really grateful for that ratio, and I think the ratio does a good job at ensuring that the Canadian game stays at least somewhat Canadian you know, with the players because I think there is that bias you with some of these American coaches that if, if it were up to them, they'd, they'd start 12 players that – 12 Americans on the field. So I feel like it just, even though the talent level is like, there's just more Americans, I feel, but there's some really, really good Canadian players and stuff. And so this just gives them the chance to be able to show their stuff. And like you said, there, there are Canadians in the NFL and they can make a difference down south. So mm-hmm. it's just good that uh, there's those spots available for Canadians. And I'm, I'm grateful that I'm able to fit into that ratio and stuff. And it gives me a good opportunity to show my stuff. Well, as a guy who's friends with your dad, I'm very proud of you, and I'm happy uh, you made the Toronto Argonauts. By the way, how are uh, how are uh, Jeff and Tammy taking it right now? Oh, I think they're, they're very proud of me and stuff, and they're very happy for whatever decision I make. Um, yeah, they obviously were like very happy with either way if I went back to school or made it here. So I know they'll be super excited and try and come to as many games as they can. And, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to make them proud. I don't know your mom that well, but I'm going to say your dad's probably bouncing off the walls right now. He is just giddy with excitement. <laughs> I, I, I shared a locker room with him, so that's outstanding, man. Congratulations, Josh. Yeah. Can't wait to see you in action in Boatman Blue, buddy. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's time for the gospel according to Ballsy. And the gospel according to Ballsy is brought to you by Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and Prince Albert. Choose Advantage Collision because they care about your safety. I'll tell you what, I'm smiling like a butcher's dog here with the developments all over camp. Mitch Pickton is running with the ones at receiver with the injury to Justin McInnes. What a storybook that is. This kid is a LeBoldis grad, a former Regina Ram, trying to crack the starting roster. If it's warranted, and it appears that it is, what it wouldn't do for grassroots kids playing in Regina to look up to that kid. I just hope that he doesn't fall victim to the LKD local kid disease where he gets cut because you know we know he's here if we let him go he'll be by his phone just hang by your phone there mitch we'll call you when we need you i hope that doesn't happen for him i'm so happy for josh Haggerty. got to admit i thought this kid wouldn't make it onto the roster but he is now on the active roster for the toronto argonauts i haven't seen him in 18 months and obviously in that time he has put the work in but he's a late bloomer he grew into his body he's got three things you can't teach size, work ethic, and he's not afraid to hit somebody. He's an old school player that would go into the stands and steal money from his mom Tammy if the coach told him to. Of course, in the most polite way possible, but still, he'd do it. And Nathan Rourke is the number two quarterback in BC. That's so great. No pressure on you, kid, but I sure hope if you get the chance to take the ball, you run with it. Well, run with it and throw it because we need you to make some magic and be kind of that beacon of light for other Canadian quarterbacks. That is a license to print money in Canada, a star Canadian quarterback. I sure hope he gets a chance to seize the moment, and when he does, he does that and doesn't Brandon Bridget. Now, Picton, 
Haggerty and Rourke are all great players. Make no mistake about it. In the case of Mitch and Hags, the ratio is the reason these kids have a chance to live out a childhood dream. I don't care how good these guys are. If not for the ratio, they wouldn't get a chance. Take Weyburn's Brett Jones, for example. Calgary drafted the kid because they needed to fill the ratio. He goes on to be a Grey Cup champion and outstanding offensive lineman in the league. He gets noticed by the NFL and now is making life-changing money with many, the Giants, and recently with the Denver Broncos, he just signed in the Mile High City. If not for the ratio, I don't care. Jones doesn't get a sniff, and then he's not a local hero and doesn't have money to be generous back in his community here in Saskatchewan. In Nathan's case, he's a Canadian quarterback that's made the roster as the backup. But the most ridiculous rule in the CFL comes into play now. Check this out. Many of you probably didn't realize this. Rourke isn't considered a Canadian for the purpose of the ratio. So just to make it, he had to overcome the Canadian quarterback bias. And then when he does make it, he's not Canadian on the roster. Huh? So stop it with the whole, we need to change the rouge and we need to get rid of no yards. Okay, we can talk about those rules. But first, this rule needs to go. If you're Canadian, you're Canadian. Why are Josh Haggerty and Mitch Pickton Canadian if they make the roster, but not Nathan Rourke because he's a quarterback? That makes absolutely no sense. And make no mistake, the Canadian in the Canadian Football League is more important than it's ever been.